0: We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, we pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, we do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, we invite you to go to bwccamden.com. Uh, you can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey... Whether you are um, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part.
1: So we're going to jump right in uh, this morning. Um, We are concluding this series that we have been in on values, talking about who we are at our core, uh, who we want to be as a church. Um, we said that, you've heard me say this every week, I think, that we believe that these aspects of the church is, is what Bethel has been for years. It's who we have been for a very long time. We're just kind of putting sentences to, to who we are, expressing who we are. Um, And it's something that we have seen Jesus represent. It's something we see the early church represent. So that's what we've been talking about when we say going that this is the type of church, this is the type of body of people we want to be. We want to be a people that love with no conditions, the same way that Jesus loved. His grace and his mercy was open to everyone right and so we love with no conditions and we trust Jesus Christ to change the way Jesus Christ needs to change people amen we said that we want to be a church that grows together with hunger that that uh, that becoming a christian isn't just about taking on the name Christian. It's about becoming a follower of Christ, becoming a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus told us that we are be, to be disciples and we're to be disciples who make disciples. So uh, so we want to be a people that grow together with hunger. We want to be a people who worship with wonder. Our God is a God of wonder. He created a universe that is full of wonder. And He is, we, we need to worship in the same way the heavens are worshiping, gathered around his throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we do that, we're joining together in unity in agreement with one another as a body. There's power in that when we worship God with wonder. We say we want to be a church that serves with selflessness. This is exactly what Jesus came to do. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, as Paul said in Philippians, but he made himself like us. And Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to be served, but to what? Serve. Peter said that we should use the gifts that God is giving us to serve one another. So we said we want to be a people that serve with selflessness, and last week we looked at the aspect that we want to be a people that give with joy. The more we grow in our relationship with Christ, the more we experience the joy that God brings us in our life. The more we begin to see generosity cultivate within us, and we saw that Jesus told us that that uh, that we cannot have put more trust in our treasure than we do our relationship. With God, and so we looked at that. We talked about that. Today, we're wrapping it up and saying, talking about how we want to be a body, we want to be a people, a church that shares hope, that shares our hope with humility. Amen. Uh, the other day, one of my kids was telling me a story of something they had heard about Tim Tebow heard or read, and um, it was a story of of him Tebow being at a prison, and he had gone there to share his faith, to talk about his faith with those in prison, and as he was leaving. He walked by a hallway, he saw this hallway, and he said, what, who's down that hallway? I, and, and they said, well, those are guys, those are people that we have on suicide watch. And Tebow said, "Can I want to go down that hallway, can I go down that hallway? And they said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll let you go down there. So he went down there, and he went by a couple of places, and he stopped by one uh, gentleman's uh, cell. And as he's talking to him, the guy just begins to cry, begins to weep. And Tebow's talking to him, he asked, what's going on, man? And the guy said, I had just been praying, God, if you are real... Show me, you're real. And so, yeah, yeah, give it up. Yeah, okay, good. All right, yeah, I mean, that's, that you can clap about that. That's, that's something worth clapping. Okay, so, so Tebow just then begins to say, okay, this is an open door. And so he begins to take it and talk about it. But when my, when my kids started telling me the story, it was a little bit humorous to me the way they started it. They, they said that Tebow was, was, had gone to the prison to talk to people about coming over to the Christian side. And I, I kind of chuckled, and I said, "What is it? We're just, you know, is it Star Wars? Step away from the dark side. You know, what I mean, it's like this is this what? You know, I got what they were saying. You know, but I thought it was kind of humorous. As followers of Christ, you know, we we ought to know. We ought to see that, based on what Jesus has expressed, based on what we see in Scripture, based on what we see from the early Church, we should know." That we have been called as followers of Christ to be willing to share the hope we have in him with others. I mean, Jesus even talked about the fact that, that those who follow him are to be salt and light in the world. He wasn't just talking about being preservatives and being a light bulb that shines light. I mean, he was making an illustration and making a point that we are called to uh, to to express what we have in him, that it should be something that that preserves those around us. It should be something that shines like a bright light to those around us, the love of Jesus. He told us that we need to go and share the gospel, to share the good news with, with others around us. We need to be willing to do that, we need to be open and willing to do that. And just like with every other value, with loving, with growing together, with giving, with with uh, with, with with serving, with all these other things, we can come up for reasons why it's hard to do these things, can't we? You know, honestly, I, I, I'm very good at justifying things. I'm very good at justifying why I don't I can't do that or I shouldn't do that or why I can do that. And I should, all right, I'm, I'm justification comes easy to a lot of us. And we can come up with reasons as well for why we don't share our hope and the faith that we have with others. You know, one of those reasons is we're often we're afraid. We're afraid to share that hope with others. We we have this fear about talking to others about what we believe. We this fear in us. We we feel like we don't have, you know, that, that we don't, um, we we don't. It's going to be a little weird, right? It's going to be a little weird talking about our faith. And I just want to tell you this morning that that's normal. It's okay if you feel that way, because you know there's some people that are just gifted, and they can just begin to talk about their faith like it's like it's so easy to do that. And, and whether they know a person or not. But listen, it's normal. To, I remember being a teenager and we went on a missions trip one year, and the organization that was over the missions trip where, where we went, they had told us, they said, okay, today we're going to go out and just whoever we come across, we're just going to start telling them about Jesus. And I'm, I'm a teenager, and I'm a young guy, and I'm like, what, excuse me? And, and so, so, you know, I, be, I began to pray really hard that day. You know, God, please don't let anybody be out anywhere so that I don't have to talk to anybody today, right? I mean, me and God, we had a close relationship in that in, in those few hours, right? It it can be terrifying, but nobody's saying that you have to do that. Listen, there are some people that are just completely gifted in evangelism. What the scripture calls evangelism—that's that's the word we see in scripture—evangelizing others about your hope, about your hope, and about your faith. I knew a guy growing up uh, went to youth camp. There was a guy from Lake City. His uh, we called him Big Red. All right, just a, a phenomenal dude. He is now a pastor down in Florida, and. He has this knack. He has this ability. He can strike up a conversation with anybody. He he doesn't have to know you. He doesn't have to know where you came from, who you are. He can strike up a conversation with you, and in minutes, have you eating from the palm of his hand. And he can about Jesus Christ. Not because he's manipulative. He just has this gift. That's a person that has a gift of evangelism that we see talked about in Scripture. You know, they just have this ability. We may not all have the gift of evangelism. But we all, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have the responsibility to share our hope and share our faith in Christ. The thing is, we have to figure out exactly how God has wired us to do that. How God has wired us to be able to to make that happen. Another reason, kind of lines up with this, it kind of plays into the fear thing. Another reason that we often don't share our hope is we don't feel like we're qualified to do it. We don't feel like we have what it takes. We're afraid we don't know the answers. We're not gonna know the answers to the questions that are being asked. We're not gonna be able to explain exactly what needs to be explained to be able to share our hope with someone else. And I get that, I understand that, but here's what I want to just challenge us on and make us think about today. If we constantly think about, I don't have what it takes, we're putting too much trust in the wrong place. We're putting too much trust in our own ability to share our hope and to share our faith. We're putting more trust in ourselves than we are in God and his Holy Spirit to speak through us, right? The gospel can reach anyone, anytime, anywhere, at any place, all right? The thing is, we just have to be open and willing to allow God to use us however he wants to use us. To let that light shine and to be the salt in the place that he has called us to be. Another reason that we don't want to share our hope and, you know, is we don't want to become, we don't want to come across as pushy. We don't want to come across as, you know, forcing someone to take something from us that that isn't. And I just want to let you know today, you don't have to be pushy. In fact, more times than not, you probably shouldn't be pushy. All right? We don't have to take every conversation and make it a religious conversation, all right? That doesn't have to happen. When someone comes to you and begins to tell you about a deal they got at a store and a discount they got on outfit, you don't have to turn that around and say, let me tell you about something you can get for free. (laughs) It'll cost you your life, though. You know what I mean? That's just that confuses people, right? So you don't have to be pushy. You don't have to... You don't have to turn everything in religious conversation. It's funny for me as a pastor. When anybody finds out I'm a pastor, the conversation quickly becomes a religious conversation. You know, I I am a pastor, but I'm a dude too. You know, I mean. So, (laughs) I I remember being on a golf course one day with with a friend of mine, and we was just a twosome, and golf course was crowded, so they put us with another twosome, and one of the one half of that twosome had been. Uh, you know, helping themselves to get through the day—if you know what I'm saying—and um, so, uh, so they paired up with us, and so we go off. And the, the, you always expect this question. You know what the question is, right? So what do you do? Right, exactly. What do you do? I'm a pastor. All right. I, I think I, I think the guy said, oh expletive. You know, I th- you know. I think that's kind of what what happened there. <laughs> but. <laughs> But then it was, it was so, it was like every question from there on was, a, was a, it was not about, it was not spiritual. It was just religious questions, all right? And I'm trying to stir the conversation and make it different, but his is all religious. You know, what kind of Bible do you use? Is it KJV? Is it, you know, brother, I mean, that's not really the important thing here. You know, so, but it's funny, but every conversation doesn't have to turn. Just have conversation. Talk to people. Be open. And then one other reason that I think sometimes that that we don't share our faith, and this one is probably the most scariest reason of all, is the fact that we're just complacent. We don't see the importance of it. Someone else will get to it. Someone else will do it. I don't have to worry about doing it. That's not my gift, so I'm not called to do it. So I don't need to worry about it. To me, this one is a very scary one when we're complacent about sharing our faith. The thing is about sharing your hope and sharing your faith is not being willing to do it or finding the excuses to do it. It's really not a technique problem. It's a belief or an apathy problem, right? Because like we said, we're putting too much confidence and belief in ourselves rather than we are God, or we just don't see the importance of doing it ourselves because someone else will do it. The great pastor, preacher, Charles Spurgeon said these words, and I think they're beautiful. I want to share them with you this morning. He said, if Jesus is precious to you, you'll not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You'll be whispering it into your child's ear. You'll be telling it to your husband, or you could say even you'll be telling it to your wife. You'll be earnestly imparting it to your friend. And I love these words. Without the charms of eloquence, you'll be more than eloquent. In other words, he's saying, with, you think you can't do it. You think you don't have what it takes. You think you can't share it right. Without those charms, you'll be more eloquent than you realize. Why? Because your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. He goes on and he says this. He says, it cannot be that there's a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. If you really know Christ, you're like one who has found honey. You'll call others to taste of his sweetness. You're like the beggar who's discovered an endless supply of food. You must go tell the hungry crowd that you have found Jesus and you are anxious that they should find him too. We must, we have been called. We need to have a part of our life that we share our hope with humility. You know, when Jesus talked about going, when we talked about growing together with hunger, we said that some of Jesus' last words to his disciples were go into all the world and preach the good news, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples, right? And we said that, if you weren't here, we said that one way to translate that and to look at that is to, what Jesus was saying was, as you go, as you live your life, make disciples. Well, the same is true for when you share your hope, when, you, when you're speaking and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just as you go, as you live your life, Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Share the gospel and share the hope that you have in Him. And this is exactly what the early church did. This is exactly what the followers of Christ did that we see throughout Scripture. As they did life, they just shared their hope, they shared their faith with others. And if anyone had a reason for not sharing their hope and their faith, it was the early church. I think they had a pretty good reason. That reason was death, it was imminent. It was right in their face. If they kept talking about Jesus, they could die. They could die. But here's the thing about the early church. Here's the thing about the followers of Christ. They kept talking about Jesus despite the fact that death was right in front of them. I want us to go to Acts chapter eight. We're going to look real quick this morning. Another aspect from the early church, another thing from the early church of what happened. A verse just just kind of jumps, jumped at me. I want us to look at it here in just a second, but just to set it up to understand where we are, you know, right before Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter seven, there's a guy named Stephen. And Stephen had been proclaiming the good news of Jesus. He had been talking about Jesus. He was a young guy that had a lot of faith and a lot of boldness, and he had been talking about Jesus. And Stephen gets called into the, uh, uh, the the council of the Sanhedrin. Now, Sanhedrin are just a they're high ups in, in Jewish leadership. They're priests. They are experts in their scribes who were experts in understanding the the prophets and the things that they had wrote and the law and all these types of things. So these guys were in there and they are, they're confronting Stephen about what he's doing and Stephen is just coming back. And when you read Acts chapter seven, it's kind of a lengthy passage, but I encourage you to read it because the boldness and the faith that Stephen expresses in that, in that and what he's saying is unbelievable. You know, God give us that boldness and he's just calling them out and saying, pointing out how, you know, things from the law that they are an expert of <laughs> and from the prophets. I mean, this young guy is just taking them to task and then saying the same things that Peter had told him, you killed Jesus, but he's not dead, you know, and it angers them so that they grab Stephen and they drag him out of the council because, They're going to stone Stephen. And I'm not talking about with little tiny rocks and pebbles. They pick up these big, huge rocks and boulders. In fact, they're taking their coats off, the scripture tells us. Why? Because they don't want anything kind of holding their arm back, hindering them from being able to, to get a good, strong, hard throw in there, right? And they stone him. And they lay their coats at a guy named Saul's feet. And we're going to see here in Acts chapter 8, as we start with verse 1, that Saul was approving all of this as it happened. So Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, Saul was one of the witnesses. He agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. We go on, it says, a great wave of persecution began that day. Now, I just want us to think about that for a second. A great wave of persecution. And think about their persecution. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And when it's talking about the church in Jerusalem, it's, it's talking about those who were following the way of Jesus Christ, who were accepting Jesus as the Messiah, because not all Jews were accepting Jesus as the Messiah. In fact, those were the ones that were killing them. It said, all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So this is where we're starting to see where Jesus told him, you're going to go into all the world and be my witnesses. You're going to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. Now it's beginning to happen. Verse 2, it says, Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. Then verse 3, But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. It was his vendetta. This is what he was out to do. He went from house to house dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And then listen to verse 4. Listen to what it says. Look at what it says. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Think about that for a second. They're being scattered because of persecution. Why are they being persecuted? Because they're telling people about Jesus. So they're being persecuted for telling people about Jesus. And because of that persecution, they're being scattered everywhere. Well, what do they do? They just keep telling people about Jesus. Now, you would think if you're being scattered because you're persecuted, you think you're scattering so that you can hide out, so that you can lay low, so that you know, nobody knows where you are. They just keep telling people about Jesus. They keep talking about the hope that they have in Christ. How phenomenal is that? Listen, we in America, we have no clue about persecution. We don't know what persecution like this is, and we can should be thankful for that and realize how blessed we are from that. You know, But there are people on the other side of our world they know exactly what this persecution is. They're still living this persecution to this day, running for their life because they are followers of Christ. But even while they run, they still share the good news and the hope of Jesus because of how powerful it is to transform them and change them. And sometimes I wonder, in the face of this type of persecution and the persecution that these guys see on the other side of the world, I think they have a bolder face than we do. You know, I, I would, you know, yes, there's things that are you know happening in our nation. I see them. I would, be, I would be foolish to think that there's things that aren't happening. And, you know, I get that, but we still don't know persecution like this. And I pray we don't. But if we do, how will we respond? You know, Peter wrote in his letter, in his first letter, to the church, to Jews who were being scattered for their faith because of persecution. He wrote to them about how they should handle it. I want us to look at it. Let's jump over to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want us to see what Peter tells these guys who are being persecuted because of their faith, how they should handle this persecution, how they respond, should respond, what they should do. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8, you may know it. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures saying, and he goes on, he begins to quote the psalmist. He says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Then he says, now... Who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what's right. So what he's saying is even if you are just a phenomenal person and doing everything the way that you should be doing, people still could want to persecute or mistreat you because of your faith. He says God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, worship Christ as Lord of your life. That's what you do. When your faith is persecuted, worship Christ. Worship Him. And then he says, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But don't stop there. We keep going and what does he say? But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear then. If people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what good life you live because... You belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than suffer for doing what's wrong. And then let's jump to chapter four. Just jump over to verse four. He keeps going and then he says this. He says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they're doing. In other words, your life changes so you stop doing some of the things you were doing at one point in your life. And so because you stop doing those things, listen, your friends are probably going to be surprised that you're not the same way you used to be. And then he goes and he says, so they're going to slander you for that. He says, but remember, they'll have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die, like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. And then he says this, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Real quick, I want to hit that last statement that we just read there from Peter. We still talk a lot about the end is near. That the coming of Christ is near. And it could be. I, I would never say, no, I don't think we're close to the end times. I mean, when you look at scripture, yeah, there's things that line up with what Jesus said. But I also know that Jesus said that no man knows the day or the hour. Only the Father in heaven knows when he's going to tell me to go back. So we don't know. We probably should hope (laughs) that it's coming and it's here. But even Peter, almost 2,000 years ago, was saying the end of the world it's here, it's coming Does that make what Peter was saying that The fact that Jesus hasn't come back And Peter was saying almost 2,000 years ago Does that make what Peter's saying wrong? No What it means is we should live every day As if the end might be tomorrow Or even today What's important The important thing Is how we live The important thing is how we're living And are we sharing the hope that's allowing us to get through this life? There's a lot of characteristics that Peter mentioned in this letter of what we should have about us. A lot of characteristics. He said we need to love. We need to be tenderhearted. We need to be humble. Are those characteristics that we express in our life? Because those are characteristics that draw people to us. The opposite of those characteristics push people away from us. And then he tells us to be, to just focus on doing good. What is the good things that he's telling us to do? Well, it's the will of God. It's what Jesus wants us to do, the good that Jesus wants us to do. You know, listen, there's a lot of good things in this life. There's a lot of good things that we can back, that we can be a part of. But I'm afraid that sometimes we think even those good things And we make those good things the most important thing and of first importance when they're not. The only good thing that's of first importance is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to share our hope in Christ and nothing else. If we were to go back, if our conversations for the last year and a half had been recorded, If we were to go back and listen to those conversations or if we were to go back, if you're a person that posts on social media, if you go back and look at all the posts you post on social media over the last year and a half, where would people say you're putting your hope? Would the the hope that you're expressing, would the conversation that you are vocalizing, would there be hope in Christ? And not only that, would it be loving? Would it be tender-hearted? Would it be humble? Is it attacking another side, another person, another concept? Because if it is, then that's not what we're called to. We're called to share our hope in Christ. So we need to look for opportunities to share our hope with humility. We need to look for opportunities to listen to someone else's story. Listen to someone else's story. Real quick, in the end of Acts chapter eight, we see Philip. It tells us that Philip comes across the Ethiopian who's reading the prophet Isaiah. And then Philip begins to explain to Isaiah what's happening in that passage. And then this Ethiopian says, I want this life. I want my life to to, to take this, who Isaiah is talking about. And Philip's like, well, let me tell you who he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus. This is the guy that everybody else is all in a tizzy about, right? That's who he was talking about. And he sees his life change. But there's something interesting when you read that that passage of scripture. You know, Luke is writing Acts. Well, Luke has had to hear Philip, Philip tell about this encounter with the Ethiopian. And Luke, when he writes Acts, he writes about who the Ethiopian is, what the Ethiopian does, and the fact that the Ethiopian is a eunuch. A eunuch, that's a very, I'll just say this, it's a very intimate detail. And the only way to know that intimate detail is that Philip had to listen to that Ethiopian story. Philip took an interest in the person and he listened to his story. How often do we listen to someone else and listen to their story? We need to look for opportunities to listen to someone's story. We need to look for opportunities to share our story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something that has happened in their life. You know, some, some people have stories of great God, bringing them out of such great, um, uh, addiction and, and, and pulling them out of this deep despair of a place. You know, some people have that kind of story. I told you that in Acts chapter eight, that Saul was the one that they were throwing the feet, their clothes at his feet. You know, you may know this, but Saul was the one that was on an encounter. Later we see in Acts chapter nine, and he was walking down the road and Jesus came to Saul and Saul had a first person encounter with Jesus Christ and his life was completely changed. So he went that day from going around and grabbing people and throwing them in prison and wanting to kill them to now beginning to preach the very good news that he couldn't stand. His life was changed so much, his name would be changed to Paul. He would write almost two thirds of the New Testament in this Bible that we read. You know, I don't have that kind of story. I don't have that that story like Paul has that I was walking down the street and all of a sudden Jesus appeared to me. You know, I don't have that story. My my story is different. My story was was I I, I joke and say that I think my mama gave birth to me in a church because I've been in church all my life. I mean that's just been that's been my my life. I've I've made mistakes. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've made poor decisions. But the the main aspect of my story is that God's grace protected me and guarding me from going into places and doing things that would have destroyed my life. That may be your story. Your story may be something over here, something different. But the fact is we all have a story. So we need to listen to others share their story. We need to be willing to share our story. And here's the thing about it. When you do those things... You're sharing God's story. Because your story should be one of God working in your life. So if we remember that kind of triangle of sharing the story, listening to their story, sharing your story, all on the base of sharing God's story. But also all centered around love, tenderheartedness, humility. When we do those things, God will do what we can't do. God will make things happen. We will be amazed at what God can do in someone's life. As we wrap up, I just want to show you a story real quick of a guy that goes to church here. He's working at a place now. He's overseeing safety at this job site. He was telling me that the, the, the job site, the place, the company is actually a company. The, the, the guys that work there are Asian. So they're coming from a different culture in, how they, in, in what they do. And even their safety laws and rules are way different than ours here. So he's having to explain to them how what they're doing isn't the best way to do it. And he's having to give them new ideas and new ways to do this. Well, one day he said, he was telling me that one of these guys looked at him and said, the way you address us and tell us what we're doing is wrong is different. You're much nicer how you do it. So they're talking to him about this and he then, what happens here? He sees a door that's just been opened. He sees an open door. And so he tells them, well, all it is is, it's, it's my God. I hadn't always been like this, but God changed me. God changed my life. And I'm a different person because of God. am a different person because of him. And then he told me, he said, Javen.' a couple days later, I started noticing Bibles on their desk at work. Listen, You just don't know. You don't have to be eloquent in speech. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be an evangelist. You just have to have a willingness and an openness to let the Holy Spirit work through you. As as we wrap up, I just want you to just glance around you. You see empty seats. Those empty, I want you to think about this this morning, those empty seats, that very well may represent someone you have a relationship with, someone you know that doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Begin praying and asking God, let me see the opportunities that you can use me to be a blessing to someone else, to share my hope that I have in you with humility. to care about someone because I guarantee you someone cared about you in your life that's why you're where you are today you may say no I'm here because my mom or dad my grandparents drug me here this morning well they care about you that's why they did that but someone prayed for you someone shared their hope with you someone invited you to church you came you experienced you're like well this is different this is fun and I know that I'm all for it, but you kept coming back, you kept growing, and then you kept seeing something new, and then all of a sudden God changed your life. So began to pray and say, God, what can I do? Let me see how I can share your hope with humility. And God, if the platform I've been standing on as of late isn't the gospel. If my voice hasn't been one of love, of humility, of tenderheartedness, if my voice has been more of one that attacks, convict me of it, God. Let me see how I can change so that I can do better in sharing your hope and humility.
0: If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamblin.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.